talked last week about the the two paths, and we talked about the two gates, and that was the beginning of the conclusion in verse 13, chapter 7, verse 13, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy, and we talked about the, the narrow gate and the difficult gate, because that way is difficult. It is difficult, why? Because there are dangers uh, along the path. It is a rough path, it's up and down around the mountain, uh, potholes, filled with that. And today we come to uh, the passage of Scripture that talks about uh, the difficulty of that path. But it says, beware of false prophets. He's going to tell us some things about false prophets that we need uh, in order to be able to continue our journey on the difficult path. I don't know if you know this, but um, I didn't really know it until this week. I, I was thinking about false prophets, and I was thinking about, say, who are the false prophets of today? And I could think of a few of those off the top of my head, but little did I realize how many there are. You can Google false prophets, actually, uh, on the Internet, and you can get the top ten list of false prophets of today by different organizations. And I was thinking, oh, that's interesting. You know, it's kind of uh, God's top ten most wanted list. Uh, there on the internet. Um, but I was looking at one of those lists, and I didn't know some of the guys, but uh, you know, it would list their names and it would list their net worth, and, and all of them were at least several million dollars in net worth. And I went up the list from number 10 to number 1, and I did know the name of the number 1 on this particular list was uh, a man named Kenneth Copeland. And if you know anything about Kenneth Copeland, you would know that he would qualify uh, in this list, uh, did not know that Kenneth Copeland's uh, net worth was $300 million. $300 million. I mean, how much money does one prophet need and not give away the rest to the poor? Uh, but $300 million. And um, there was a, a sampling of some of the things that he preaches, and it showed this clip of him preaching, and he had a dream, and he said he woke up from his dream, and he wrote it down, and it was a word from God, and it was about COVID. It was during a time of COVID, and he wrote this message from God uh, that said, COVID is, not, is going to end much sooner than you think it's going to end. And I thought, well, you know, God should know, you know, like exactly when it's going to end. Uh, not much, not much sooner than you, much sooner than you think it's going in. Well, I know that thing's going in for a long time. So, what does it actually mean? But then he got to his main point. His main point was during this time of COVID, it's going in much sooner than you think it's going in. But don't you stop tithing during this time of COVID? And I thought, well, isn't that interesting? It's list him as a net worth of three hundred million dollars, and his main point. Uh, was don't stop tithing, tithing during the time of COVID. Not that we should stop tithing. We should, we should not stop tithing. But it's interesting that that was, that was his main takeaway uh, from uh, that area of COVID. And uh, Pharisees were, were, for Jesus, I think, uh, the target of what he is saying here. They were the false prophets of that day. They interpreted the, the word and the law in one way. And Jesus says, you've heard it said this way, but... I tell you uh, this way. And so Jesus is going now to move from uh, two paths. He's going to move to um, two kinds of prophets. And he's going to talk about two kinds of, of trees. And he's going to give us some things that we need to know in order to walk the path that we are on. 
And in these verses from verses 13 to verse 20 or verse 15 to verse 23, Jesus is going to show us the two kinds of prophets. But he's going to give us three facts about these false prophets that will help us on the difficult journey of the narrow path, of the difficult path. And those three things that he's going to tell us are, are first of all, that um, false prophets are deceptive. He's going to also tell us that false prophets are discernible. Even though they are deceptive, you can know who they are. And then he's going to tell us that false prophets are deceived. They themselves are deceived in what they are preaching. And if we understand these three things, it's gonna, it, it will help us as we walk through this path to, to understand sound teaching and to stay under sound teaching and to walk the path faithfully. He begins the passage by saying, beware of the false prophets. Um, just a, a warning, kind of a title. This is what I'm going to talk about now. I told you the path. Now I'm going to tell you a few things about some false prophets. You are to beware of those false prophets. Why? Because they are false. There are two kinds of prophets. There are false prophets and there are true prophets. And if you read the scripture, and this morning uh, we read about uh, Zechariah and you can read about Isaiah. Whoever you read about, <clears throat> there was always a commission from God. God said this, and there was always a message from God. True prophets have a commission and a message from God. A false prophet has neither of those things, has neither a commission nor a message from God. A false prophet speaks his own message. Perhaps it's a message like, you know, everyone in eventually will uh, end up in heaven. Or, you know, there's really no hell, uh, is there? Or those two paths, well, they start in the same place or, or in different places, but they end up in the same place. Or perhaps the message is, you know, you, you can have your best life now. They're false. The word is actually pseudo, pseudo-prophets. We use that word pseudo, it's false. Pseudo means it is a lie. They are false teachers. They are even false messiahs when they make messianic claims or, or they deny, they deny the, the deity of Christ that he came in the flesh. They are lying prophets. They are false. And Matthew, in Matthew 24, verse 11 uh, we we understand that in the last days, as Jesus is speaking of the last days, he said, many prophets will arise and lead many astray. So beware. Beware of these false prophets. Beware. Meaning don't, don't be exposed to them. Meaning to hold back your mind from these false prophets. Remember, uh, Several decades ago, uh, the Jonestown suicides in, in Guyana. Well, did you know that Jim Jones, uh, second in command, his right-hand man, when he was a kid, he was, a, he was a, a member of a conservative Baptist church called the GARB, General Association of Regular Baptists, GARB. Not garbage, but just GARB. He was a member of a, an evangelical Baptist church. And as an adult, he, he attended a Presbyterian church. He was a good Reformed guy. 
He attended the Presbyterian church at the same time he was attending the people's temple. He was one of those who died in Jonesville, Jonestown, in, in Guyana during the mass suicide. He did not beware the false prophets. Jude tell us, tells us to keep yourself in the love of God. And when you're rescuing someone, if you come to these false prophets, rescue them in fear, or your garment will be stained as well. In other words, you get too close to them, they will have an effect on your life. And so you need to beware of these false prophets. Let me tell you that in 2 John, 2 John verse, <clears throat> verse 7. 2 John verse 7 says this, For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is a deceiver and an antichrist. They do not confess Christ. They do not confess his deity, and they do not confess his true gospel. They do not confess who he is, and they do not confess what he does. And then in verse 8, it says, watch yourselves so that you may not lose what you what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Watch yourselves. Don't get sucked into their teaching. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of the Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. Don't get sucked in. Recognize them how? By the word. Recognize what the word says. And don't even open the door to them or let in a deceiver. In verse 11, he goes, for whoever greets him takes part in his wicked work. If you greet him, if you greet this false prophet, you're guilty of the evil deed. Jesus says, beware of the false prophets. Billions of people are sucked into the false prophets, and, and most don't even know it. Why? Because it's one thing to deal with a heretic. It's one thing to deal with someone who is so out in left field that that what they say to a true believer does not even make sense. But it's another thing to deal with a false teacher or a deceiver, that what they say sometimes even sounds right. Jesus says, beware of those people. So what should we do? How do we stay on the path with all the false teaching that's going on around us. We need to know and understand these three facts about false teachers. The first is that false teachers are deceptive. He goes on in the second half of verse 15, after he says, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Ravenous wolves. False prophets are dangerous because they come in as sheep or, or they come as a wolf in sheep's clothing. 
You know where that phrase originated comes from? A, a, a wolf in sheep's clothing. It comes from an, an old Aesop fable. It is way older than Christ. It is in the 500 to 600 years before Christ. There's a, uh, a story, a, a fable uh, that supposedly this man named Aesop wrote, even though we don't, Aesop himself may have been a fable. We're not, we're not sure about that. But it's, it's credited to, to Aesop. And at the end of Aesop's fable, what happened to the sheep? What happened to the wolf? The wolf was killed by the shepherds. Shepherds are to protect the flock. And the wolf was killed by the shepherds. I think that's why Paul wrote to the Ephesian elders in um, Acts 20. He said this, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not night nor day to admonish everyone in tears. It is so important that elders in the church know the word. And I'm thankful for the elders of Providence Church, and you don't know this, but there have been uh, at least one, maybe a couple of times when the elders in the church protected Providence Church from false teaching. The job of the shepherd is to protect the sheep. So from Jesus' words here, the lesson we learn is that it's very simple. The pseudo-prophets, the false prophets, the lying prophets, they're dangerous because they are deceptive. The danger is that the wolf is the natural enemy of the sheep. And the natural enemy of the sheep is living amongst the sheep, pretending to be a sheep. He is a, he is a wolf in sheep's clothing. He looks like the rest of the sheep. He doesn't want to continue to look like the rest of the sheep. What does he want to do? He wants to wear the clothes that's made of wool, which was the clothes of the shepherd. He wants to be the shepherd. But he looks like the sheep. And so the point here is that you have to look closely at him. He's very persuasive. He's easy to listen to. And a matter of fact, the, the people in his congregation, they like listening to him. George referred to this a little bit in his prayer, and I don't think he even realized um, that we were going to talk about this point. But in 2 Timothy chapter, chapter 4, verse 3, Paul talks about this, and he says, For there's coming a, a, a time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And so when you have listeners who want to have their ears tickled, and you have, you have teachers or false prophets who want to tickle their ears for their gain, is there any wonder that millions of people fall under the teaching of false prophets and don't even know it? Paul Washer, some of you may know him. He's uh, 
evangelistic, uh, I would just say he's an evangelist, he's a, a pastor, he's a, he has an evangelist heart. He said this, one of the greatest distinguishing marks of, of a false prophet is that he will always tell you what you want to hear. He will never rain on your parade. He will get you clapping. He will get you jumping. He will make you dizzy. He will keep you entertained. He will present a Christianity to you that will make your church look like Six Flags over Jesus. And Jesus says, beware those false prophets. But what he won't tell you, what the false prophet will not tell you, is the truth. Jeremiah uh, talks about this in Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 16. He says this, thus says the Lord of hosts, do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you, filling you with vain hopes. They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They have no commission from the Lord. They shall continually, uh, they say continually to those who despise the word of the Lord, it shall be well with you. And to everyone who stubbornly follows his own heart, they say, no disaster shall come upon you. They deny that God is a God of judgment as well as a God of mercy and grace. Jeremiah says that they're guilty of filling people with false hopes, saying the Lord says you will have peace. In another passage in Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 14, he says, peace, peace, but there is no peace. He says you put a band-aid on the wound, the wound of my people. You're not taking it seriously. Peace, peace, when there is no peace. That they give a false sense of security. They preach a, a cheap grace. They lull people to, to sleep in sins. There's no warning of, of judgment. Only how to escape it. And in doing that, they distort the gospel. Paul says something about that in Galatians. He says those people think to be castrated. Some make the narrow path not so narrow. You know, this is not as difficult of a road as you think it is. You have more freedom than you think you, you do. There are not these dis restrictions on, on behavior that you think there are. Some say that the broad road does not lead to destruction, that all roads lead to God. They are dangerously deceptive, leading people to a hell that they say does not even exist. And Jesus says, keep your mind from them. They look like you. They talk like you. They act like you. You might welcome them unknowingly until it is too late. They're dangerous because they're deceptive. But he also says, they're discernible. You can know who these people are. Verse 16, you will recognize them. That's not a command. That's, a, that's an assurance. You will recognize them by their fruits. 
Are grapes gathered from the thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruit. They are discernible. But doesn't that just contradict what uh, Jesus just said in the previous verses? Is, you know, they look just like you. They talk like you. They act like you. So if we can't really tell because they're in our clothes, how is it that they are now discernible? Weren't, they, weren't the false prophets um, not recognized by the sheep? Well, he changes the metaphor here. He's, he's changing from two animals, a wolf and, and, and sheep, to now two trees. A good tree that bears good fruit and a bad tree that bears bad fruit. And he says, you will recognize them because there will be fruit. It's going to be pretty simple because you're going to have two, one of two choices. In all of these things, there's one of two choices. You're going to choose the, the narrow gate or the wide gate, the, the difficult path or, or the easy path. You're going to judge them because there's good fruit or there's bad fruit. There's no gray area here. They're either going to have this fruit or they're not going to have this fruit. He poses the question then in verse, in verse 17 when he says, um, every good tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree uh, bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear uh, bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. So how, how do you know them? He says, well, if there's a grape and a, and a, a thorn bush, are you going to get those mixed up? Or if there's a fig and a thistle, are you going to get those mixed up? And the, the, the answer to those questions is obviously no, if that's a, as simple as it gets. But I think what's interesting and perhaps even more uh, helpful in understanding this is that during the days of Jesus in, in Israel, there were, there were bushes called buckthorn bushes. And we have those bushes today. I, they grow more in the arid climate. They're, they're an invasive kind of bush, probably like our, our pepper, uh, pepper tree bushes here that, that are growing in the lot beside me that keep coming into my yard. But he says here, um, he, he compares these things. He says that if he's talking about this particular uh, buckthorn bush, that bush had blackberries that looked like grapes from a distance. And that bush had thistles whose flowers from a distance looked like figs. And so perhaps he's saying from a certain perspective, you would not know who is a false prophet and who is not a false prophet. But you would not confuse uh, the berries from the buckthorn and the grapes if you're making wine. Or you would not confuse the thistle flower from the buckhorn with the figs if you were eating figs for supper. So there is a point that from a certain perspective, we do not know who they are. False prophets can look like true prophets. 
And even their fruit can look genuine, as he's going to talk about in the next verses. But the nature of a prophet cannot be hidden forever. Sooner or later, he will be exposed. Because just as he does not keep the narrow way, he does not live the narrow way. It becomes evident in his disobedience. It becomes evident in his conduct because bad fruit means the person is bad. So the question becomes, what is the fruit? What is the fruit that that we look for to identify the false prophet? And in the context of the Sermon on the Mount, it has to be, it has to be doing God's will. It has to be obedience. Because in, in verses 17 uh, through 20, there is, a, there is a word here that is translated bear, bearing fruit, uh, bearing um, good fruit and bearing bad fruit. It's the same word that is used for doing, for doing God's will. In verse 21, it's actually translated the same as do in verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does. That's the same word as bearing fruit. He's talking about obedience. In verse 24, it's translated does. So the lesson is very clear. If someone claims to speak for God, then observe that person's life. Because that person's life will tell you if they are a true prophet or if they are a false prophet. If they are doing God's will or they are not doing God's will. If they are doing God's will, then they may be speaking for God. If they are not doing God's will, then they are a false prophet. What does that look like? Well, it's pretty simple. I think it looks like godly character. It looks like godly conduct. It's how they act. It's how they live. It's lifestyle, what they think, what they do. In Luke chapter 3, we see a a, a sample of this. In Luke chapter 3, verse 8, it says this. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. What are fruits keeping with repentance? And do not say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able... God is able from these stones to raise up children from Abraham. Even now the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit, that does not do God's will, is cut down and thrown into fire. So he says, first of all, bear the fruit of repentance. Then he goes in verse 10, and the crowds ask him, what shall we do? And he answered them, whoever has two tunics, is to share with him who has none. And whoever has food is to do likewise. You want to obey God's will? You give to those who don't have out of your abundance. Actions prove repentance. There are tax collectors there. Tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than you are authorized to do. 
Be honest in your dealings. Have integrity. Soldiers asked him also, what shall we do? And he said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusations. These were all things that they were doing. And he says, if you are to do God's will, if you're to bear fruit of repentance, you are to obey God. God 15, verse 8, talks about this as well. John 15, verse 8, simply says, in verse 8, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. That you bear much fruit, that you do God's will, that you obey him, and by doing that, you prove to be my disciples. The test of a false prophet is his character. The test of a false prophet is his lifestyle. Whatever is in his heart is going to come out. Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Does he have those things in his life? If not, then he is a false prophet. Second Peter says their eyes are full of adultery, covetous hungry for money, sensualness, sensuality. But you know, it doesn't always look like that from the outside, does it? Sometimes they can look like they're living a Christian life. Sometimes they can have an organization that looks like a Christian organization. Sometimes they hang out with other pastors who we would consider to be true prophets. They may appear from time to time and even perhaps uh, most of the time to be preaching from the Bible. But the Pharisees looked like false prophets or looked like good prophets, didn't they? On the outside, everything looked good. But their hearts were full of hypocrisy. Matthew chapter 23, Jesus calls them whitewashed tombs. Their lifestyle may be fake, but their attitude is not. 2 Peter 1.4 says true Christians have escaped corruption. Let me read that for you. 2 Peter chapter 2 or chapter 1 verse 4 first of all talks about true believers. It says by which he has granted to us his precious and very promises, promises so that through them we may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world. In other words, because of our sinful desires. In other words, we have been cleansed. We have escaped the corruption of sin in our lives if we have trusted in Christ. But in chapter 2 of Second Peter, in verse 19, he says this. They promised them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. They have not escaped the corruption. For whatever overcomes a person is that to this he is enslaved. And then verse 20, he says this. For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world, the corruption or, or the pollution through the knowledge of our Lord Jesus, Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled with them and overcome. 
He says, they have not escaped the corruption. They have not been cleansed inside, but they have escaped the pollution. In other words, on the outside, everything looks good. There's no pollution. There's no stain. But on the inside, there is corruption. So look at their attitude. Is there holiness? Do they have a desire to glorify God? Do they have a desire to magnify Christ? Is there humility in their lives? If there's no humility, then chances are they're false prophets. Because Jesus is saying we are to be beatitude people. And beatitude people are are who? Beatitude people are those who come with empty hands. They they sing the, the, the theme song, Rock of Ages. Nothing in my hands I bring, only to the cross I cling. They come poor in spirit. They come mourning and crying over their sin. And they come to God broken. Is there humility in their lives? You know why then? If we never detect this, if we never understand who the true false prophets are, God will. Why do we say that? Because in Matthew chapter 7, he says, every every tree that does not bear good fruit, does not obey God, does not do God's will, is cut down and thrown into the fire. And it's going to say in just the the next uh, few verses, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity, you lawless people, depart from me. Jesus says, don't give them your mind. Keep your mind from that person. Watch his actions. Watch his thinking. Where there's no humility, there's a false prophet. John 7, 18 says, the one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory. But the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true. And in him, there is no falsehood. The last thing he says about these prophets is that they are deceived. Verses 21 through 24. These are the most terrifying words in in scripture. I remember when I was a kid, early teens or mid-teens, pastor preached. And he, I was in the congregation, he's preaching this, this passionately and points his big bony finger and he didn't even really point at me but I felt it. I felt it pointing right at me and I he said he said these words I never knew you depart from me you workers of iniquity. And I thought I can't wait to go down that aisle, start that start that hymn of invitation, I'm there. And I did. I went down front and he said to me, Rex, why'd you come forward? Do you want to be saved? And I thought, no, no, I, I am saved. I know I'm saved. I just don't want to be this person. I don't want to be that person. These are the most terrifying words, I think, because they will affect uh, all of us. Um, because we, none of us, if you're a truly believer, want, to, um, want this to be true of us. And, and you know what? These verses should not terrify us. In verses 21 through 24, we're not given a cause to confess false guilt. 
we are given a cause to exhort, and this is given to exhort us to not be enamored with an external gifting or power or behavior or a ministry without paying attention to our hearts. This is a warning to beware of false prophets who look like they're doing great things and therefore lead people down the wrong path. Verse 22, he says, on that day, this is the, a, a picture of judgment day. They'll say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy your name and cast out demons in your name and do many things in your name? This is at the, the last day, the, the day of judgment. And, he, and he's saying, they're saying to him, look what we did. I mean, if you read this and you say, look what I did then you need to pay attention to these words. If you read this and you say, Lord, forgive me, then you're understanding. They, they were not asking for forgiveness on the day of judgment. But they're trying to justify themselves. Look at what we did. Didn't we cast out demons? Didn't we, didn't we prophesy? Didn't we do all these things? And we did it in your name. And they did it sincerely. They said, Lord, Lord, did we not do these things? And they were blinded. Verse 21, these false prophets uh, mistake their profession for a uh, true repentance and possession. Theirs was a confession of their lips and not of their lives. Jesus is saying, I don't want your confessions. I want your life. This passage should not strike fear into the heart of people who are aware that they're walking the path who sometimes fall and sometimes sin. The false teachers are so confident in themselves that they're not aware of their, their self-deception. If they were, they would say, I have nothing to give. I just cling to the cross. If you read these words and you are convicted of your own sinfulness, then that is good evidence that these people are not you. But if you read these words and you're not convicted of your own sinfulness and you're saying, oh, I go to church every Sunday, I, I cite the creeds, I, I, can, I memorize the 1689 confessions, I sing the songs, I do all these things. If at the day of judgment that's all you've got, you've got nothing. And you will be, you will, he will say these words to you, depart from me. I never knew you. In other words, I never had a relationship with you. One of the takeaways from these verses, and our time is gone. Let me just give you these quickly. First of all, the big takeaway from these verses, beware false prophets. They are dangerous. But they are recognizable. And they are deceived. You know, when he was, um, what's his name, uh, I was talking about in the very beginning. Yeah, when, you know, when he was talking about those things, and I was reading these verses, I said, the only thing I could think of is God be merciful to him, a sinner. He is self-deceived on his way to hell. Beware of false prophets. Final thing is this, embrace Jesus. 
We cannot read these passages and not ask the questions about ourselves. Second Corinthians tells us to examine yourselves whether you are in the faith. So let this passage weigh on you, not weigh on you in the sense of creating a false guilt, but in comparison to these false teachers. And let these verses teach us the importance of clinging to Jesus, of embracing Jesus, that when you think of that path, that narrow path, that difficult path, remember that Jesus is the way. And when you think of that narrow gate and getting through that narrow gate where you have to leave all your baggage behind, remember that Jesus is the gate. And when you consider the false teachers and you consider teachers who you trust and you follow and you remember, remember the words of Peter in John 6 where he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe that you are the Holy One of God. Let Jesus be your teacher through his word. Study his word. And when you consider obedience and you consider your profession, the profession we make with our mouth, which is needed, and you consider the profession of your mouth and obedience of your heart, remember the words of John 14, 15, where Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Embrace Jesus. He is the true and final prophet. Someone has said, and I don't even know who the author of this was, but he said this, God has a plan for your life. The enemy has a plan for your life. Be ready for both. Just be wise enough to know which one to battle and which one to embrace. May we beware false prophets, but more than that, may we be people who embrace Jesus. Let's pray together.